a consumer that is served by Morristown on one side of the street has fiber net and the person on the other side of the street that is served by AEC cannot get fiber net. Welcome to episode 203 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. From the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, this is Lisa Gonzalez. In this episode, Chris interviews Jody Wigington, General Manager and CEO for Morristown Utilities System in Morristown, Tennessee. He also talks with Greg Williams, General Manager of the Appalachian Electric Cooperative. We are bringing the two together today because they're exploring a partnership to expand the reach of fiber-based services in the areas around Morristown. As many of our listeners know, Morristown's municipal network, FiberNet, offers gigabit fiber-to-the-home services to the utility system's customers. In Tennessee, electric cooperatives in rural areas have been hesitant to use their infrastructure to offer high-quality Internet access, as we're seeing in other states. State law prevents them from obtaining the legal ability to offer telephone or video services, which are important to generating revenue, especially in smaller communities. This new partnership has the potential to establish a new model in rural Tennessee. Now here are Chris and Jody Wigington, General Manager and CEO of Morristown Utility System, and Greg Williams, General Manager of the Appalachian Electric Cooperative. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Jody Wigginton, the General Manager and CEO of Morristown Utility Systems in Tennessee. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And also in Tennessee, Greg Williams, the General Manager of the Appalachian Electric Cooperative. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Jody, you've been on before. Let me start with you just to remind people. Uh, tell us a little bit about Morristown, and, um, um, and then we'll ask Greg to tell us a little bit about the AEC territory. Morristown is a city of uh, 29,000, uh, and it's in sits inside of Hamblin County, which has 63,000. And uh, in, in U.S., we serve the corporate city limits, and uh, and uh, Greg through AEC would serve the remainders in the county and and some surrounding counties. But uh, we're obviously in the northeast part of Tennessee, east of Knoxville. That's kind of who we are. Great. And tell us a little bit about the AEC territory. Sure. Uh, Appalachian Electric Cooperative, a little bit different. Uh, we are a cooperative where Jody is working with a municipal. We serve parts of four different counties, Jefferson, Hamblin, Sevier, and Granger counties. Uh, we do serve a portion of Hamblin County that that is around the city of Morristown, uh, ultimately right around 45,000 connected meters uh, that we serve. And Jody, I think uh, you have an anniversary you're celebrating right around now. Tell us a little bit about it. Uh, we do. This this May marks their 10th anniversary of uh, being in retail fiber to the home uh, business. And uh, uh, we're smaller than Greg. We have 14,500 customers. But uh, from an electric meter standpoint, we have reached 6,200 customers in, in our telecom, which is right at a 48% take rate of uh businesses passed, homes and businesses passed. So we're excited, going to have a few awards for people or a few prizes, and uh, it's been very successful in a, in a short 10 years, really. I believe that. Um, let me ask if you have a favorite memory over those 10 years, you know, maybe a, a great impact that the network had. Well, probably the greatest impact has been on the educational system, and we have about 18, 19 of the schools connected on different platforms. One is three gig, a couple of two gigs, and the minimums are 100 megabytes. So 
just seeing that difference is uh, it was it's nice. Probably the biggest uh, aha moment was when I came in one day. We had a Fortune 100 company, Colgate Palmolive, move in here, and all of a sudden they said Colgate Palmolive wants our telephone and internet business, and you you go. Wow, really? That's great. And then you go, oh no, they really do. They, they really do want it because you, you know, you finally feel like you've arrived when you substantial size companies that look to you to be their telecom provider as 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 a local provider. Right. Sometimes I like to think in terms of the problems that I like to have rather than the problems I don't like to have. Right. <laughs> yeah. The challenges. So, Greg, I'm curious about AEC's, uh, uh, your territory, and uh, the Internet access you have. Um, I think we'll talk a little bit more um, in a second. But first, how would a partnership work where uh, you would work with the city? I know you're evaluating working with Morristown to expand Internet access. Can you outline that for us? It was really not AEC that uh, initiated uh, or even thought about looking at broadband uh, in our service area. It was actually our cities that we serve, uh, initially White Pine and Dandridge. Their city councils uh, looked at what they could do to improve services to the citizens within their cities. And, of course, we serve their electric needs. And knowing that we, as a co-op, cannot provide retail broadband services. We're restricted from doing that in the state of Tennessee. They uh, they reached out to Jody and FiberNet to see if, if they could get a solution from him. And so there was some dialogue going on there uh, and really appreciated Jody reaching out to us and bringing us into the conversation. Uh, and then between the three of us, Jody and ourselves and the cities, we found out you know that Jody's restricted to within his Uh, electric boundary. He cannot go outside of his electric boundary. I cannot do retail uh, to our members. So we were presented with a with a pretty substantial dilemma. This actually seems like a, like a college student logic problem of sorts where you have a lot of pieces and you have to figure out how to fit them together. It really was. Given the state of legislation uh, in the state of Tennessee, it became even more complicated. Uh, and so we arrived at what we felt like uh, would work, where Jody could wholesale his services. We could be the transport. There's nothing, uh, nothing preventing us from transporting this type of data across a fiber network uh, on our electric system. And then we would have to find someone, a third party, to actually retail the services to meet state requirements. So that model, we've looked at it, we've had people look at it and make sure that it doesn't violate any federal or state laws. And it appears right now, as it stands, that it looks okay. So that's what we're looking at trying to do. Jody, I'm curious how those conversations started with the uh, the towns. It looks like those are cities that have uh, pretty small populations. Um, were they just, do they have any service or are they poorly served or are they totally abandoned? I wouldn't say they're totally abandoned, but uh, I think, you know, word of mouth that they know and talk to people who live on our system and know the differences in speed and and so they they just begin to come said what does it take for us to get what you have can how do we do that so we begin to have these these discussions that i think greg would, would tell you too that when you look at some of the results of the surveys they were very much uh, underserved in a lot of areas some having nothing but wireless some which is very expensive and some having some you know pretty slow 
DSL type of connections or even dial-up. And I think uh, from a business standpoint, they felt like it was hurting them on being able to uh, uh, attract and keep businesses in their area. You know, why why does the city of Morristown want to try to help people outside of Morristown in this case? Whether you're a cooperative or you're a municipal like I am, we are both not-for-profit and we exist for our customers and the residents we serve. You know, in my case, Marston has a lot of industry and creates a lot of jobs for for several counties and a lot of them in, in, in Greg's service area. So, you know, his people who would come in and work at maybe at some of our factories didn't have broadband access like they needed to make their businesses more productive. So in the way we look at it, it it's a win-win. The further we can drive broadband into a rural community. There's no competition where we'll say, hey, you know, we got a heads up because we have it and you don't, so we're not not going to share it. That's not what public service is about. So I, I think we both share that vision of just making the whole economic prosperity and quality of life better for the region that we live in. Well, Greg, I'm also curious because I noticed that you're a professional engineer, and and I'm curious. We've seen rural electric co-ops around the nation have different responses to this. Uh, you know, you are prohibited by state law, certainly discouraged from from going into this, and yet um, you know you're doing everything you can to figure out how. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious how you know you reacted when you heard about this, how your board thinks about it. Why is it a priority for AEC to be the one that solves the problem? Well, it's interesting that that the priority is not necessarily providing broadband. The priority is to use fiber first and foremost for the efficient and reliable operation of the electric system. And we are already building out fiber to do just that. And then obviously you want to leverage that investment as much as you can. And and so it's it's a natural evolution to look at other ways to use that investment, that asset. And that's why the conversation with Jody and the cities, all of a sudden it just kind of dovetailed into what our plans were to upgrade our electric system. Could we utilize that technology to obviously to to obviously bring broadband into more of a rural market that we serve and, and it naturally fit together. Jody, I'm curious if you can explain to us a little bit the benefits of of using your system to expand it. I mean, this is um, just some of the benefits that actually people in Morristown will see by spreading those fixed cross, those fixed costs across a wider base. We have a network operations center that is uh, positioned to serve hundreds of thousands of people. We have all the redundant and, and diverse internet paths. We have a, our own telephone switch. We are CLEC. We offer all the hosted and uh, VoIP type services. Obviously, we have the video part of the entertainment package. So, you know, there's a lot of cost in the head end that's serving 61, 6,200 customers that could easily serve multitudes of that more. So uh, it would give us, I guess, some, some larger quantities of scale. Uh, we We could do a whole lot of serving these other areas without significant investments at our head end. Naturally, that would be good for us as a utility. And again, it goes back to it goes back to the mission of doing what's the best for the people. So this would solidify our, our business even more. It 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 would allow us to pass out administrative costs of that nature across a, a, a wider customer base. 
And do you have a sense, um, you know, either Jody or Greg, feel free to tackle this, but do you have a sense of what the need is? I, I certainly you, you heard from some of the, the cities that you're uh, that they feel like there's a need, a greater need. But I think the sense I got in um, Nashville this year was that pretty much the existing carriers are, you know, doing fine and that nobody really needs a gig. Um, no one needs a fiber network. You know, how do you respond to that? This is Greg. Let me respond by saying, of course, the first thing that we did jointly is we uh, combined efforts to do a feasibility study, which is obviously the first thing you do need to do is to find out what is that need, what is what's out there currently, and is it is it meeting the needs of the folks that that we serve. And interestingly, uh, the results came back quite startling. Uh, we sent out seven thousand surveys and got back close to 1,800, which was an excellent return uh, for a survey such as this. And just some interesting information that came out. Uh, the federal definition of broadband is 25 meg down and three up. And out of the three cities that are served by incumbents, for instance, Jefferson City only uh, has 34.7% of those who responded met that speed test. So they're not getting even the federal definition of broadband. In Dandridge, it was only 22.6%, and in White Pine, it was zero. So you immediately start seeing the, I guess, uh, the lack of technology that's out there. Some other startling uh, statistics that came out of uh, the the results, 97% of the households expressed a want or a need for Internet access. And then you had about 56% of, of our households for, that we serve report that their current Internet services do not meet their needs. So, again, that type of message was continuing to surface out of this feasibility study. And we were getting numbers like 28% of our households use the Internet to support telework or home-based businesses. I didn't even know that. A growing need for having faster internet speed. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. We are rural to some degree, but we, since we serve right up against Morristown, a consumer that is served by Morristown on one side of the street has fiber net, and the person on the other side of the street that is served by AEC cannot get fiber net. The person with fiber net, their children have the, the availability from an educational standpoint and even the worker has greater you know, possibilities and opportunities than the person on the other side of the street. And that's disappointing uh, that the industry as a whole uh, is not stepping up to meet those needs. And I think that's kind of the message we continually saw in the study. And Jody, I'm curious, with 10 years of experience in this business, what about the, what in the feasibility study really made you uh, surprised? I'm kind of like Greg. I didn't realize that many people were attempting to carry on business uh, through the home, and, and I did not you know, realize the speeds were that poor. Even in town, if you have charter AT&T, it, it was even far superior to what some places of Jefferson County and Hamblin County had. If, if I went back to your point you made, they, the incumbents like to say that you don't need to have a fiber-based gigabit-enabled network. I think they they deny that because they simply don't want to make the investment to provide it. I understand their business model. It's 
to hold on to legacy copper-based systems to maximize stockholder profit. It's, it's unfortunate for rural Tennessee that that they've been successful to put a stranglehold in Nashville on, on broadband. And uh, right now, communities just don't have the, the, the choices that some other states have. And I think we've found a model we hope can, can, can make that difference. But uh, again, I think the, the synchronous part of the business, the internet speeds that go the same both ways, being able to hook multiple locations up with on your systems. And yes, if, if the school systems didn't need a three gig and two gig, why would they be taking it? So there's obviously a, a, a point of interest in higher speed services. And Chris, let me point out also that what was interesting, another interesting fact is that within our service area, there was no location, through the survey anyway, that identified where an address was served by more than one incumbent. So there is not competition. Just stepping outside of the Morristown City area, there's only one incumbent typically available Right. That's something we often see with uh, federal statistics is that they will um, suggest that there are multiple providers within a census block, but they don't tell you that those providers all serve, you know, they don't overlap their territories at all. So there's the illusion of competition in official statistics often. So you've done the feasibility study. You're reviewing it. Are people excited to to figure out what next steps could be? Uh, What kind of reaction are you getting from folks? I don't know in, in Morristown for Jody, but I know in our service area, uh, we did meet with the city officials. They are very excited. They're very hopeful. Uh, obviously, we have met with our respective boards, and I think they were re- very receptive and uh, I think very surprised at the results also. We're talking about, a, obviously, a huge investment, and we're looking at different financial models both public and private funded. Uh, so there's there's many different options going forward. But I think there is an underlying excitement, you might say, or anticipation within the community, because I get it when I go into the grocery store, I go into church, people are asking, you know, where are we at on the internet and the broadband? So there is some anticipation out there. Chris, I would add from, from Morristown, you know, I've you ask somebody in Hamlin County where they live, and they say, well, I live in Morristown, but I can't get fibernetic. And Greg's right. We can be across the street and in the neighborhood next door, and you consider yourself to live in Morristown, but you don't have the opportunity to have fibernet. So there's an excitement here. This is something that's been asked for many years for us to get out further into the community. And, and like Greg says, it's, you know, being a smaller system, member, we, we look to maximize our benefits for our electric system. And it's made night and day difference into the way we run our electric system. It's 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 a huge plus. And uh, yes, it's very exciting for many people. I'm kind of like Greg. I try to temper my <laughs> excitement until until we can get something rolling. And what are the next steps? What do you anticipate um, in terms of when you'll make a final decision or be able to? You know, in some cases, these things can certainly take time to lock down the financial model once you're moving forward. But what are the milestones you're looking at right now? I think from our standpoint, obviously, any type of project of of this magnitude would have to be done in phases. Uh, If we were to get approved to move forward, it would be a very small uh, first step because you want to kind of prove the concept. You want to prove your your initial assumptions and numbers and making sure that they are working. and that could happen uh, as quickly as this calendar year. 
again, we're very, very hopeful, uh, but we do not want to bite off, obviously, more than we can chew initially. Uh, I think all of the pieces are coming together nicely in terms of knowing that we can move forward with this model. Uh, there doesn't seem to be anything out there, a big gorilla, so to speak, that's going to squash uh, our thoughts or ideas at this stage. Excellent. Well, are there any last thoughts about this project uh, before we end the interview? If this is successful and this model works, this is something that I think you would see being repeated in, in other places. Aside from just Jefferson and Hamblin County, there there are other counties looking to participate in a similar type of project, and it uh, it may be something that could actually bring broadband to a lar- much larger footprint of Tennessee. We've been writing about a number of different co-ops around the country, and one of the ones we were just covering is, uh, I believe it was in Missouri, where the the electric co-op is uh, building out some fiber, and it will be operated by the telephone co-op. Uh, so in that case, it's a co-op-to-co-op partnership. But um, we've certainly seen other areas where the, the co-ops and munis have been looking at working together, and I think it's a, it's a great match because you have the facilities already. The electric co-op has the, the customers and the lines and everything else. It's, you know, you have, you have everything working together in those cases. Um, but, but Greg, please let me know if there's any final thoughts that you have. What we're seeing on the co-op side is very similar to what you're mentioning, Chris. Even within Tennessee, uh, a number of co-ops have already initiated feasibility studies uh, uh, in response to what we've done here locally in East Tennessee. Uh, They're interested in finding out what they can do because there's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Jody, I think there's seven uh, cities within Tennessee that are gig cities, and, and those are hubs. Uh, and there's a lot of co-ops sitting around those hubs uh, like that, and they're they're obviously uh, their membership and the little towns that they serve are very interested in bringing that technology out into the rural areas. I mean, that's really the way we were formed, you know, 75, 80 years ago was to bring electricity into the rural areas, and this is kind of like the next infrastructure of the future. Uh, and it's interesting that even in the in the feasibility study, uh, it was indicated that broadband is to, is considered that next utility. It's a utility that they feel like is a necessity of the future, and we feel like that that's a part of our mission for our membership. Great. Well, thank you both, and we look forward to getting updates because I like I definitely agree that with Jody that uh, this is a model that I see a lot of opportunities to move forward with elsewhere. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. That was Chris talking with Jody Wigington, General Manager and CEO of Morristown Utility System, and Greg Williams, General Manager of the Appalachian Electric Cooperative. Learn more about Morristown's network at musfiber.net and check out the co-op's website at aecoop.org. Remember, you can access the transcript for this and other Community Broadband Bits podcasts at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Feel free to send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter, where the handle is at muninetworks.org. Thank you to the group Forget the Whale for their song, I Know Where You've Been, licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to episode 203 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Mm-hmm.